Amen. A, show, a social movement that emerged from one lady's tragic death was the creation of the universal emergency phone number 911. We're all familiar with it today. At the time, the only way to reach the police was to call your local precinct. Today, the three-digit number is used across North America. I'd like to say to the church today that it's time for us to dial up a spiritual 911, an emergency call to Almighty God that promises that when we call, He will hear, amen, and He will answer. It's a call this morning for us to arise to action, to arise to action. In Romans chapter 13, verse 11, it says, And that knowing the time, how many knows that the time is desperate times in which we are living in? We need to take some desperate measures. The Bible says that it, now it is high time to awake out of sleep. Na nudge your neighbor and say, wake up. Hallelujah. It's time to get involved. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. It was in 1964 when Kitty Genovis was returning home from her job as a bartender around 3 a.m. when she was attacked two times, then raped and killed by the same man. 28 years old at the time, Kitty lived in Queens, New York. On March the 13th, after finishing her shift at Eve's 11th hour sports bar, Kitty drove home, parked her car on the street. Unfortunately, Winston Mosley was also there, and he was looking for a victim. While she was walking up the street, Mosley ran over, stabbed her twice in the back. Kitty started screaming. One neighbor heard and yelled out his window, scaring off Mosley's. Others admitted that they'd heard the commotion, but they thought it was a brawl from a bar nearby, so they went back to bed. No one came out to help. Fatally wounded, Kitty staggered around the building to the back entrance. Mosley hid a couple of blocks away in his car. When the police failed to arrive, Mosley, after about 10 minutes, ventured out searching for Kitty. He found her in her lobby of her apartment building. He stabbed her again, raped her, and stole $49 that she had on her and ran. The total time that it took Mosley to kill Kitty was a half hour. A couple weeks later, the New York Times reported that 38 witnesses had heard Kitty's screams. Although the exact number has been debated since, the fact remains that no one came to help. Social psychiatrists Bib Layton and John Darley came up with a theory that they called the bystander effect, which says that it's more likely for someone to intervene in a situation if there are only a few witnesses. In a large group, people take cues from each other, or they think that someone else will take action so they don't have to. I would just like to remind the church this morning that it's not time to be a bystander in the kingdom of God. The murder of Kitty Genovis epitomizes the tragedy of the let someone else do it mindset. My message to the church today 
is don't be a bystander. A bystander by definition is someone that is present but uninvolved. So I ask you this morning, are you present and uninvolved in the work of the kingdom of God? I want you to know that God desires for each and every one of us, hallelujah, to sound an alarm knowing the time in which we are living and people that are lost and dying and going to hell, hallelujah, it's time for the church to awake out of their sleep, praise God, and get involved in the house of God and in the work of God. Don't become a bystander. Someone said the epitaph of our society should read, this civilization died because it didn't want to be bothered. I don't know about you, but I want to be bothered by the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to stir something up within me that desires to do the work of God more today than I ever have. We are living in perilous times when people are in need, hallelujah, of something that they can hope for, something that they can trust in. And may I remind the church that we have that. I said we have that in Jesus Christ. It's the church that's the answer, hallelujah, for this world. The church of Jesus Christ. There is a cause for us to be involved in, amen. There is a need for involvement. First Samuel tells us in chapter 17 that the armies of Israel were in an array with the Philistines and they had a champion whose name was Goliath. We're probably all familiar with this story. That the children of Israel, they were afraid of Goliath because of his size and his stature and his appearance. And they were just fearful and they were hiding from him. And they, he came out every day. And I forget for how many days. It was a quite a number of days that he came out and he taunted them. He defied the armies of the living God, the Bible says. But there was one little boy that came across the the whole scene and he was actually there just to see how his brothers were doing he wasn't really old enough to be in the battle but he came along and he heard this giant defying the armies of the living God and he began to ask questions why isn't anybody going out to fight amen why is a, what's the problem here why are we just all sitting by we we serve the living God amen and even uh, his brothers that he was there to bring food to, they even got a little mad at him. And they said, "You, we know you're just a haughty little kid and you think that you're something and you need to go on home and tend to the sheep. But David said to them in verse number 29 of 1 Samuel 17, he said, what have I now done? I've not done anything wrong. Is there not a cause? Hallelujah. A cause simply means a reason or a motive for some human action. Hallelujah. Might I remind the church today that we don't need to be bystanders that are present but uninvolved, but we need to be human that are in action for Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We need to put some action, hallelujah, into our walk with the Lord. When you look into that word cause, it gives the connotation of a rate or a, a portion or a price to be paid. And I, won't, I don't want to undermise uh, this at all. I don't want to limit its importance or 
minimize, you know, the struggles or the hardship of living for God. Amen. But I want to remind you that there is a price to be paid. Hallelujah. We have to pay the price. It's not just something that we come along and we just casually take this, amen, and we just casually come into the house of God and we just casually become bystanders, amen. But we need to take up our weapon, hallelujah, the word of God, and we need to enter into the work of God and not be a bystander, amen. We have to realize that David was sold out for this. He was driven to action by a cause. Are you sold out to this? Are you sold out to the message? Hallelujah. You do believe that people have to be repent of their sins, be baptized in Jesus' name, and infilled with the Holy Spirit? Do we believe in that? Hallelujah. I know we do. He was driven by a cause. Hallelujah. And it stemmed from his relationship with God. Because when he thought about Goliath, he thought, well, you know, God's helped me in the past, and I've been in situations and problems in the past, and God's always come through for me. And here the enemy was cursing their God and defying the armies of the living God, and David said, hey, that's my God, hallelujah, that's my church, if you will, that's my people that he's defying, amen, and he rose up within himself, hallelujah, and said, I will go and fight this giant. You see, because cause, a reason, hallelujah, and relationship go hand in hand, hallelujah. You need a relationship with Jesus Christ that'll stir up a cause, hallelujah, that we recognize that there needs to be work done in the kingdom of God. And I know this is a simple illustration, but I was talking to the uh, Connect class today, and I said, you know, that we all have our place in the kingdom of God. And we, we can understand and to realize this simple fact that Pastor Myers, he can't keep the garden outside, and he can't clean the restrooms, and he can't greet you all as you come in in the morning, and he can't take up the offering and then preach the word, right? We all understand that. But there's so many different integral parts of the work of God, hallelujah, that we need to realize that we cannot be a bystander, hallelujah, in the work of God. We need to have a cause within us, and we need to have a relationship with Almighty God because the two feed off the other, hallelujah. Because you can't pray, and you can't read the Word of God without something stirring with up within you that's saying, hey, I got to be involved somehow in the work of the Lord. Amen? We need to realize that there is something that we need and should be sold out for. Hallelujah. Believe in something. Believe in something. Amen? They say that if you don't believe in anything, you'll fall. Or if you believe in nothing, you'll fall for anything. That old saying. And that's so true. And some people... They just won't take a stand. You know, they just say, well, I just want to be open-minded. You know, open-minded. you not got to believe there's some absolutes in the Word of God. Hallelujah. T.F. Tinney, I think it was, that said some people are so absent-minded that half their brain has fallen out. Amen. And that's about the truth. We need to realize that there's only one life. Soon it will pass. And only what we do for Christ will last. Only one life. 
Hallelujah. We only have this one chance. Only it doesn't matter what you're involved in. They may be great causes, I don't know, for humanity. But only what you do for Jesus Christ is going to have eternal uh, rewards. Amen. Don't allow the temporal to obscure the eternal. In Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35, it says, And Jesus went about all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion upon them because they fainted. They were faint and they were scattered abroad. It gives the connotation that it was a quick thing, you know, like you're scattered, something happens and everybody scatters and runs. And, but that's how the world is and they're as sheep having no shepherd. And the world today is faint. They don't know what to do. They're exhausted. And they are, seem to be scattered in their thoughts and in their minds. Amen. There's no absolutes and no direction for the world today. But in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 3, Paul's talking to the church. He said, seeing therefore also we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight. Hallelujah. And let us lay aside the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run this race with patience that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Hallelujah. Who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. I want you to catch that. He endured it. It wasn't something that was fun. It wasn't something that he would choose to do, actually. He, he actually wanted to go a different way, but he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will. Amen. He had come to do the work. Amen. But he endured the cross. And he says to us, if we want to be his disciples, we have to pick up the cross and follow after him. It's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. Amen. But it's something that's worth the while. Hallelujah. It's a cause worth dying for. He endured the cross. He despised the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3 says, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be weary and faint in your minds. Hallelujah. We have to keep on looking unto Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith, who said, I've come not to be ministered unto, but to minister. Hallelujah. And even he got weary at times and had to get alone, but he was here to do a work. And he says, I want you to be the, now the light of the world. Hallelujah. I want you to pick up your cross and to follow after me. In Matthew 9, continue reading there in verse 37. He said unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers. I don't like that word, laborer. It tells us that there's going to be some work involved in it. But the laborers. Are few. I remember I was a block laborer way back then when I had a little strength to do it. Amen. And I, it was hard work. I'd mix mud and mortar, and it was out in the hot sun, and I'd carry those blocks. And, and then I got the job at the post office. 
And they called me a laborer there too. But I'd listen to those guys in the break room. They'd complain about the job and complain about this and complain about that. I was only 19. I'd went home. I was still living at home. I went home and told my mom and dad, these guys have never had to work for a living. They think they've got it rough. <laughs> I just was real quiet because it sure beat mixing mortar and carrying block. Amen. But laborers, it shows forth the effort. And we need to realize that we need some laborers in the field. That's what he told his disciples to pray for. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into the harvest. I want to be a laborer for Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Laborers means work, a toiler, an act of doing, not a bystander, not present but uninvolved, but a doer. Hallelujah. I want to be a doer in the kingdom of Almighty God. We need to realize that there is a harvest out there that's ready to be harvested. And we need workers that are in the field. Hallelujah. And the church is a part of that field. Brandon, I didn't get a chance to see you before service. I hope you don't mind this, but would you stand for us? This is Brandon. And just been coming for a few weeks. A couple weeks ago, he got baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Yes! All of heaven rejoices over one sinner that repenteth. Brandon was so impressed by it, he brought his friend Anthony. Anthony, stand up there. He, Anthony came, and Anthony got baptized in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Is there not a cause? And I don't want to miss anybody because there's many of you out there just like those two that have recently come. Amen. But there is a cause, hallelujah, for us to do the work of God. And if you paid any attention to the numbers, at the end of the year report, 176, and we probably left some of those out, volunteers every Sunday morning that are a part of two young men being able to come into the house of God, hearing for the voice of God, obeying the, the voice of God, being baptized and filled with the presence of God. Hallelujah. Because 176 people said, I'm going to be involved somehow. I don't know how I'm going to do it. But I'm going to cut the grass. I'm going to pull the weeds. Uh, I'm going to shake people's hands. I'm going to take up the offering. I'm going to clean the bathrooms. I want you to know that we could never, ever repay the workers that go on here. But one of these days, hallelujah, I want you to know that the Lord Jesus Christ keeps good records. I said he keeps good records. Hallelujah. There's a cause. Is there not a cause? Hallelujah. Don't be a bystander in the house of God. Oh, my goodness. There is a cause and not only a cause, but I also want to remind you that it's not just something all that you could do or not do depending on how you feel. I want you to know that there's a mandate from God. I said there's a mandate from God. It's not just a good idea, but it's a command from God. To do the work. You are the light of the world. Hallelujah. God expects a return on the talents that he's distributed to each and every one of us. 
Matthew 25, the parable of the talents, and it's familiar with most of us, but I'll just highlight a few of the things. In verse 15, he says, he gave one five talents, he gave another two, and to another one, and every man according to his several or different abilities. And straightway, he took his journey. And so the Lord here is using a parable to describe what he's done. He said he's came, I'm distributing talents, and he doesn't always give the same amount of talent to each and every individual, but everyone got a talent. Verse 24, then, he which had received the one talent came. The other two came, and they had doubled their investments. And he said unto them, well done, thy good and faithful servant. But then he which had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strewed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid my talent in the earth. I want you to know it's not enough just to know about Jesus Christ. It's not just enough to be born again out of the water and the spirit. Hallelujah. And just go and hide the talent and to just keep it safe. Amen. But I want you to know that the Lord desires for each and every one of us to multiply the talent that he has given to us. The Lord answered and said in him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reaped where I sowed not and gathered where I not strewed. And oughtest thou therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I would have least received mine own with usury. At least you could have put it in the bank. Could have got some interest there. But he said, but you just went and hid it. It says that you cast the unprofitable servant into utter darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I want you to know that in the kingdom of God, when I say don't be a bystander, it's really, I guess I should say you can't be a bystander in the kingdom of God. You can try to be present, amen, but uninvolved, but soon down the road, you'll be gone. We've seen it time and time again. It can't happen that way, and neither does the Lord desire it to be that way. He wants us to do something with what we have. So why don't we serve? What are some of the reasons for lack of involvement? There's several, but I just wrote down three. Number one is, in which the one with the one talent brought out, he said he was fearful. The fear of fa failure paralyzes us. And that's where faith comes in. And I want you to understand that the Bible says that he's not given us that spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. When you take a step, God runs as, far, as fast as he can towards you. He is not going to let you fail, amen? We need to face our fears and understand that God is desiring for us to step out. Oh, we're going to fall, we're going to stumble, and we're going to make mistakes. But I want you to know that he's always there, hallelujah, with that outstretched hand to say, get on up, get back up, hallelujah, thou good and faithful servant, amen? We need to realize that we can't allow fear to paralyze us. Amen. We have to face that fear. David said, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight 
the Philistine. So we need to realize we, can't, we can overcome our fears through the power of Jesus Christ. Another reason why we don't serve is because we feel inferior. We feel like we don't have anything to offer. We just feel like that we just can't quite do it. But Ecclesiastes 9 tells us, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, whatever it is, whatever it is, you may pick up papers off the floor after service, but you just, whatever it is, you got to find that strength, hallelujah, to do it with thy might, with everything there is. He says, for there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whether you're going. And you're going to the grave, he's saying, so find something to do and do it with all your might. Another problem with our inferior is that inferiority is the fact that we um, sometimes, when, especially with volunteers, and we see that, you know, uh, maybe things aren't run exactly the way we want them to be run. And that things aren't going just the way that we think they should be going. Amen. But when you're at work, you kind of have to endure those things because you're getting a paycheck at the end of the day, right? But when you're volunteers, and so we struggle with this sometimes. But I once again have to remind each and every one of us that the Bible says, don't work as men pleasers, as unto men, but work as unto the Lord. And it doesn't matter if they're not doing it right or not. It doesn't need it. You just need to exclude yourself, but get involved. Maybe you can help change it or make it better. Amen. Uh, but I want you to know the kingdom of God needs each and every one of us that is here today. One of probably the greatest things that hinders us today is busyness. At least it's our greatest excuse. We need to eliminate the unessential things that are in our life. Eternal value versus temporal. I want to read you a little bit of the devil's convention you may have heard this before, and I'm not going to read the whole thing. But it says that Satan called a worldwide convention. In his opening address to his evil angels, he said, We can't keep Christians from going to church. We can't keep them from reading their Bibles and knowing the truth. We can't even keep them from conservative values. But we can do something else. We can keep them from forming an intimate abiding relationship experience in Christ. If they gain connection with Jesus, our power over them is broken. So let them go to church. Let them have their conservative lifestyles, but steal their time so they can't gain that experience in Christ Jesus. This is what I want you to do, angels. Distract them from gaining hold on their Savior and maintaining that vital connection throughout their day. How do we do this? Shouted the angels. Keep them busy in the non-essentials of life and invent innumerable schemes to occupy their minds, he said. Even in their recreation, let them be excessive. Have them return from their recreation exhausted, disquieted, unprepared for the coming week. Don't let them go into nature and reflect on God's wonders Send them into amusement parks, sporting events, concerts, and movies instead. They meet for, when they meet for spiritual fellowship, involve them in gossip and small talk. So they lead with troubled consciences, unsettled emotion. 
Let them be involved in soul winning, but crowd their lives with so many good causes that they have no time to seek power from Christ. Soon they will be working on their own strength, sacrificing their health and family unity for the good of the cause. It was, a quite, it was quite a convention in the end, and the evil angels went eagerly to the assignments causing Christians everywhere to get busy, 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 and to rush here and there. Has the devil been successful in a, at his scheme? You be the judge. Amen. I think that we can pretty much say that he has been successful. Amen. We need to realize and to understand that the devil has kept us busy and we cannot uh, afford to allow him to take over our lives. When you live for God, when you give your life to the Lord, hallelujah, when you begin to work for God and get out all the unessentials in your life, God is able to do great and mighty things in your life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We love you, God. Can we all stand this morning? Amen. God wants us to be involved. We're having our ministry fair today, and this message is directed in that effect. Amen. And so in my closing uh, appeal to the church today, I go to Romans chapter 12 and verses 1 and 2 where it says, Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And don't be conformed to the things of this world, amen, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. He says in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3 it is, he says, You commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts are going to be established. Amen. And I know I'm here with a uh, group of awesome, awesome people that only desire the best for the kingdom of God. Amen. But I wonder this morning if you would come this morning as your commitment to say, God, at least come and say, God, what is it that you desire for me to do in the kingdom of God? Amen. At least come and say, God, speak to me and let me to know. Amen. I wonder if we could all come right now and just present our bodies to the Lord and say, God, I want to be a part of the church. I want to be a part of the work of God. Amen. It's too late, oh God. It's The hour is too late. We love you, Jesus. We believe in you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We glorify your name. Let the power of the Holy Ghost overshadow us. There is nothing, oh God, that we cannot do through you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, we should have 100% participation in this. Desiring to do something for the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God, use me. God, I need you, Lord. 